And we find favor in the Bible is a totally different thing. It's not about temporary, personal things. We find that Mary here is favored with God. So if she's got favor in our minds, there should have been room at the end. Are you with me for a minute? If she is favored, she wouldn't have been in the middle of an engagement where she's going to have to go tell her friends and family, I'm pregnant. Mary knew the meaning of being poor. Already espoused to the son of a local carpenter, hopes for a wealthy life were not in her dreams. Then comes the news that she is pregnant with the child of the Almighty. Who would believe that she was pregnant as a virgin? Facing divorce and possibly stoning, difficult situations surrounded Mary. You might say she was under a great amount of stress. You've joined us for message number three, entitled Overwhelmed, Underqualified, of the series Luke the Gospel Truth. This is Faith Life. And now, Pastor Jared Arnett. I'm so excited to continue this story in the, uh, the gospel according to Luke. We're going to continue kind of passage by passage into Christmas. Y'all might just, we might just keep going into the new year and just walk with Jesus and his ministry and just see what Luke tells us all about Jesus. Um, but, but this morning we are in the passage where we're really full on Christmas today. Chris did a great job with Zachariah last week. I loved his message, Turning Point. It's a turning point for Zachariah, for Elizabeth, but really for all of humanity. All right, God had spoke again after being silent for 400 years. That's something big happening. Um, so this morning I want to just, I want to say this, Christmas shopping. And how many of you just had this flow of peace come over you just now. <laughs> just, oh, that sounds so peaceful. Christmas shopping, I can't wait to forget all the people that I was supposed to buy for and find out the people that bought for me that I didn't buy for, right? And, and so usually this season, and for me, Christmas shopping is just a sense of overwhelmed, like as this season can become very overwhelming because you think about who you need to buy for, who's going to buy for you. Who didn't buy for me? Who, who did I not buy for? And then they got me a gift, and so I better go buy them a gift. And, and, uh, and then you look at your calendar, right? And, I mean, there's only like three weekends or four weekends leading into Christmas. And, you know, you got, you got Christmas programs, you got church programs, you got concerts, you got dance recitals, you got Christmas plays at preschool. Like, you see all this list, and we got this... We now have a month, two monthly calendars hanging in our kitchen, and you just start to fill it in. You're like, man, oh my goodness, where's the rest coming? All this, where do you find? Where's the peace at at Christmas? When and even in life in general throughout the year, it's hard to get together as a family once a week and sit around the dinner table and eat a meal together. And and so I think of this this feeling, and I don't know, does anybody feel overwhelmed right now? Just in life in general. I got a few. Yes. Um, I'm with you. And so as I was thinking about this story of Mary, when Gabriel first comes to her and shares this story, I don't think anybody could have felt, uh, when I look at that, I'm like, I quit. <laughs> like what Gabriel says to her. Because like, that's what happens when we get overwhelmed to the point of there's so much on our list. We start doing this, first of all. That fake smile. You're just smiling, pretending like everything. Uh, and I used to say I felt like a, you know, a duck. It looks so calm on the water, and then underneath it's paddling so fast you can't even, 
tell, you know, we, that's what we tend to do this time of year. We smile and pretend like everything's okay. And then we're, we're carrying hurts. We're carrying struggles, overwhelmed, feeling like we've let people down, feeling not enough. All those things. Insecure about who we are. Do we let, all that stuff. But we just smile and fake it. Um, and it's really because of this. Like, so you make your list. It's everything, right? It's so much it doesn't fit on a list. And so I thought about Mary in this situation in the middle of that of what I feel right now. And, and, and that Gabriel, the angel, coming to Mary and saying, Hey, Mary, you're going to give birth to a baby. is going to be named as Jesus, which means Savior, which means... You, and then he says, he's going to be Son of God. He's going to be... Uh, uh, he's going to be placed on David's throne, and his kingdom's going to go forever. Whew. I mean, that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Because you got to think about you got to think about Mary. There's just some context here you need to see. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, remember Elizabeth is Zachariah's wife, and she's going to have John the Baptist, who becomes the forerunner, uh, really the, the prophet that begins telling people Jesus is coming. Uh, and Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. And so moving out of the story of Zechariah, Luke tells us this story of Mary. And it's very likely that, that Luke spoke directly to Mary and got her story. This is like him talking to her, and this is what she said. You ever think about that when you read this? This is Luke asking Mary. The, this is her account, his recording, but likely talked to her directly. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel... Gabriel to Nazareth. Why would she have felt overwhelmed or underqualified or underprepared is another way to think about this. First, you've got to know where Nazareth is. It's nowhere. Okay? Like we hear Nazareth, we've, most of us grew up growing up in the Bible Belt. We're like, that's where Jesus grew up. That's a cool town. It's Nazareth. That's awesome. I grew up in a little place, kind of, it's called Ivington, I guess. It's a suburb of Salyersville. <laughs> Y'all with me for a minute? And so this is what it would have felt like to the, the leaders at the time, the church leaders, the, the elite, the people of the time. I mean, it would have only made sense that if God was going to send an angel and bring a king, he'd come from Jerusalem at least. Jerusalem wasn't even the, the, the biggest or the, the most... The, the center of the world at the time was probably Rome, right? And yet here it says God sent an angel Gabriel to Ivington or to Phelps or to, you know, like this is like in our minds this feels so out of context and out of a place. So uh, you got to, when you read that, you got to see first of all that like this doesn't make any sense what God is doing right here. He sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, this little town, small town. It was miles off a main road. And this is when miles were ridden on donkeys, not cars. This was a big deal. It was middle of nowhere. Um, and so God sent Gabriel to Nazareth. It's a village in Galilee. And so this gives you a little bit of uh, some more Google Maps. You all love it when I do Google Maps. Um, this is Google Maps. You can see Jerusalem down here at the bottom. Nazareth is way up north, um, just really at the time in the middle of nowhere. Even when Jesus comes, you remember there's one of, the, one of the disciples, when they find out it's from Nazareth, they say, has anything good ever come from Nazareth? Like that was the mindset. That was the opinion of the people and the culture. 
that Luke would have been writing to here. When he wrote this to Theo, Theo would been like, Nazareth? What in the world? And it says, to a virgin named Mary. See, Mary was living her life more than likely thinking, I'm just going to be uh, this young girl. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. I'm going to be married from Nazareth. That was her plan, that was life, that was what would be expected of a girl her age. Uh, it says she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Uh, there was three steps in a, a Jewish uh, marriage. One was like the, the parents would agree, like, hey, my daughter's going to marry your son. And they would agree on that. And there would become a time that they would get betrothed or engaged, which was a, a, uh, a legal binding agreement that they would get married not as much as what we would think of as an engagement. This was legally binding, and it would usually last for about a year. And then when a groom was ready to, for the wedding, once he had the house prepared and all the things, he would just show up a bit unexpected and say, today we're getting married, and you know they would get married, and they would go back. So in that year time frame is where Mary and Joseph were. And in that time frame, this is kind of important to know, is that uh, you can't just break up. You can't text and be like, I don't think we're working out. It's you, it's not me. I mean, it's me, not you. Right? And so this takes a legal divorce in the middle of this engagement to be separated. So this is Mary. She was, she was likely young, uh, likely not of, of any kind of wealth, um, not an elite family, uh, virtually unknown to probably everybody in the known world. Are you glad God works like that? That he can take unexpected, unknown people from the middle of nowhere and that's where he chooses to work? Not just he can, this is where he chooses to go. As I think about this story and what it must have felt like, I just think that she had to feel underprepared or underqualified. And so I want to, what I want you to take out is I, I want you to begin to think about uh, one thing in thinking about underqualified is I want you to not limit God's choices and what God can do. Okay, we, we, you can take this two ways. One, sometimes we will see ourselves as underqualified or underprepared. It's like, God, you can't use me. And sometimes we'll even disqualify ourselves and say, you don't know all the bad I've done. You don't know the things I struggle with. You don't know the depths of my heart. And he's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> Actually, I do. I'm the only one who does, and I still love you. Like even the people who only know a little bit of your brokenness that run away, like I know it all, every bit of it, and I died for you, and I love you. And so... We, we'll do that to ourselves, and we'll become what I would say is uh, like paralyzed. We won't, wanna, we won't work for him like he's called us into. This is really important because if you don't get this, you, you will miss out on God's purpose and work in your life that he wants to use you for and do. And, and so we'll limit our choices for ourselves, but even more than that, we usually limit his choices on other people. We will disqualify other people and say, there's no way God could use that person. Do you know so-and-so and what happened? You know, what, you know who they are. You know how many times they've been in jail? Do you know that they got, uh, they've been divorced? You know, like we'll just start coming up with all these lists of things that disqualify 
people from God's service. And yet God doesn't work like that. Um, uh, Mary would have been young. She would have been poor. Many would have seen her as unusable by God. But this angel shows up. Says, here it says she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. That says in New King James Version. I think that's actually the ESV. It says, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Mary found favor with God. There's sometimes I've read that and wanted to just say, well, Mary must have been a really good person. Like she earned this some way. In some ways, she may have had a good heart, but there, there's somewhere here that favor really means grace. You are a favored woman. God has chosen you. The Lord is with you. Now, I think it's important to remember when we read this about Mary, the same is true for every believer. If you've given your life to Christ, in Ephesians 1, 6, Paul wrote this, So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us. We are favored because we are in Christ. We have found favor with God. God is with us. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, uh, uh, obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. We find that we are blessed. Ephesians 1, 3 says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ. In Christ, we become favored. God is with us and blessed. Now, that's what he says about Mary here. We think, uh, man, in our culture, we'll hear, uh, uh, man, they found favor with God. Look at them. They got a new Tahoe. All right. Man, they are under God's favor. God has blessed them richly. They have riches and wealth. And I mean, look where they just moved in their new house. And God is just, he's pouring out his favor on them. You're listening to Faith Life with Pastor Jared Arnett from New Beginnings Fellowship Church in Pikeville, Kentucky. This is message number three of the series, Luke, the Gospel Truth. Let's continue listening as Pastor Jared Arnett further illustrates how God values what's in our hearts, not our situations or circumstances. We find favor in the Bible is a totally different thing. It's not about temporary, personal things. We find that Mary here is favor with God. So if she's got favor in our minds, there should have been room at the end. Are you with me for a minute? If she is favored, she wouldn't have been in the middle of an engagement where she's going to have to go tell her friends and family, I'm pregnant. And begin to bear some shame that she doesn't deserve. If she has favor on her, then surely she wouldn't have to speak to her husband and, 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 and him begin to think about divorcing her and wondering what life would be like without a husband and going to you know, raise this, this, this child and probably never get married again. She should not have to be thinking and worrying about those things. If she's got favor, she should not have to get on this donkey while she's getting ready to deliver a baby and ride across the country 
And when she gets there, there should be a room at the end. She should not be delivering the baby in a manger. Yet we see that when God's grace and he's using us, it does not mean this temporary, what we would think of as wealth and the favor of God and blessings. You see, there's a cost to following. There's a cost. You see, Mary gave up her whole life. She's no longer going to be married from Nazareth. Just a young girl that gets married and has kids. Her life is totally different. It's beautiful. But it's not without trial or tribulation. Because she would raise this son faithfully and he would be murdered. But here's the beautiful thing of how God works and why Ebenezer's are important. Because all along the way, the time she would begin to doubt what the angel said, I think the shepherds would show up. And they'd be like, angels came to us in a field up in the sky <laughs> and said, unto us a child is born. This is him. Confirmation, right? It's like, I know you're in a manger and it feels like you're not favored by God right now, but you are. You are. This is the Messiah. Then they would go to the temple the first time they take Jesus there and he's getting circumcised and they meet Simeon and Simeon says, hey, I just, uh, I said I wasn't going to die until I met the Messiah. I can die now. Right? This is him. Then the wise men show up and they bring these gifts, kings showing up for this little baby. We see just confirmations and reminders to keep Mary reminded back that she is favored. You need reminders that you're favored, you're blessed, and God is with you. When you get overwhelmed and you feel underprepared or underqualified, all that is just should point you back to, I need God. Oh, wait, I'm favored. I'm blessed. He's with me. I'm favored. I'm blessed. He is with me. See, not only did she feel underqualified, but she felt overwhelmed, I'm sure. He goes on to say, and Mary's response is she's scared. She's, it says, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. What do you mean I'm favored and the Lord is with me? What are you talking about? First time I've ever seen an angel show up here to talk to me, little Mary. What are you trying to say? I'm confused. I'm disturbed. Gabriel says, don't be afraid. Why would he say that? She must have looked like this. She's not said anything yet, right? There must have been some visible. It's like, what is going on? He says, don't be afraid, Mary. Can you hear? We just put your name in there. Don't be afraid, Jared. Don't be afraid. He says, you found favor with God. You will conceive, don't put your name here, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom means he's going to be a king this is the, the word spoken to Mary. I would, uh, I would immediately be overwhelmed. i got to raise a king? But yet all that Mary's been told to do, it says, uh, you will conceive and you will give birth to a son. 
you will conceive and you will give birth to a son. She asked the same question we all would ask. How's this going to be? I'm a virgin. I'm not married. I've never been with a man. Uh, Luke is a physician. He wrote this. He understands how babies are made. All right. He believed this. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And this is what's been told to Mary. I would be overwhelmed. Here's why I would be overwhelmed. Because we as human beings want to get out of our lane. See, Mary was only called to birth the child and raise him. But I would begin to feel the pressure to not just raise a child, but to raise a king. And I would be thinking, what does a king need to know? And what does he have to have? He's got to have the best of the best. We can't, he can't be in these cloth diapers. We've got to have organic huggies. <laughs> right? I've become taking the responsibility to make Jesus a king. And you see, this is exactly... Trace it all the way back to the fall of mankind. We want control. And when we feel overwhelmed, it's because we've got out of our lane and into God's. We start to want to take back control. We want to decide. We feel the weight and the pressure to save our children, to change our spouse, to change the place, to... To, to transform a community, to make things better. to like We start to feel all of that weight. Like she would have felt or I would have felt if I was her to, to, to raise a king. And Gabriel just said, just change his diapers. <laughs> like that's your lane. I'll make the king. You, change, you just change his diapers, be faithful, be a good mom. I'll take care of the rest. This idea of being overwhelmed really points back to the need for God in our lives. It's the reminder that we are not enough. We're going to aspire to be perfect. We're going to think, I've got to be perfect. And Jesus said, that's not your lane. That was my lane. I did the perfect. I did the perfect. Just get over, stop, stay over there where you belong. We're going to feel the weight to try to save our neighbor and change our neighbor. And God says, I just said love your neighbor. I just said love them. So true with kindness. I said be light and darkness. You, don't, you can't save them. We're going to, we're going to feel the pressure to, to change our kids' hearts when we see them online and see, see their motivations in the wrong place. And we're going to try to control our children with all kinds of rules. And, and, and obviously, it's good to have rules and expectations and keep them safe and prevent all you can. But if we lose the path of saying God can only, only God can change their heart, you really want your kid to be good because they want to be good. And guess what? You can't make them do that. You couldn't make yourself do that. <laughs> so you can't make them do that. We can't make them do that. Yet we get overwhelmed because our kids are all saying, that's, I'm a failure as a parent. Well, you're in the wrong lane. Be faithful. That's what God's called you to do, not to be successful. Just be faithful. I love this as he ends. He says, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age 
has also conceived a son. This is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. How's this going to be, Mary says. And Angel says, nothing is... If God breathed this earth into creation, you're going to have a baby without a, without a man. He can do that. If he breathed it all into creation, he can do whatever he wants. Nothing will be impossible with God. And I love this because this is a reminder when you're overwhelmed, it's good to have a friend Elizabeth is her cousin. The very next passage we're going to study next week, you know where Mary goes? To see Elizabeth. Has somebody to share it with. Say you like, and, it, and it's incredible when it happens. This is another confirmation for Mary. We're going to talk about it next week, about friendship and how to pick friends and those types of things. But she gets to Elizabeth. It's another confirmation. She didn't text her and say, hey, Elizabeth, I'm coming over. I'm having the Messiah. I want to talk to you about it. She shows up, and Elizabeth knows immediately. John the Baptist, in the womb, begins to leap with joy because of the Holy Spirit. Another confirmation for Mary that God is working in her life. I'm going to use this little girl from Nazareth to turn the whole world right side up. And all she's got to do is change diapers. Don't, don't. Like, it's not pressure. It's not overwhelmed. God's making the king. He's working the story out. She's just got to be a faithful mom to a child. She said, for, and the angel says, for nothing will be impossible with God. And here's, here's where we're going to end. Mary's last words. I am the Lord's servant. Utmost humility. You see, when you really understand that you are overwhelmed and underqualified... That's the heart, that's the humility that God wants and can and will use. To say, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. So what do you do right now if you feel overwhelmed? One, I'll say, man, if you've never given your life to Christ... I love the back when, it, when he references his kingdom will endure forever. This is going to be an underlying theme over the next few months. Because we often, will, when, when you're presented with the gospel, if somebody asks you, what is the gospel? Most of us would say the, the story, you know, a man was, we're all sinners and in need of a God and we separate from God and then Jesus came and lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for my sins and forgive me and he was resurrected, power over death. That's a lot of words, Right? It's a lot of words. And to be honest, you, go to the, you read the story of Jesus, and when he started literally preaching the good news, and the gospel says he was going to preach the good news, it was short and it was simple. He said, the kingdom of God is here. What does that mean? We're going to unpack it over the next few weeks and months. What it really means is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is not just an exit strategy from earth. Are you with me for a minute? It is not just, you know, if you believe in Christ, you can go to heaven. It is the idea that Jesus stepped into earth, and then God sent his Holy Spirit to those who were believers, and he sent heaven to this place through the church. That's pretty good news. 
When you're living in a, a world that is cursed with sin and brokenness and guaranteed death. And so the community should be able to see good news from the church. Because it is good news. The kingdom of heaven is in Pikeville. Believing that and giving your life and making and saying, yes, I believe in Jesus because I don't want to go to hell is different than saying, I believe in Jesus. He's the king of my life. I submit all to him. I want to live in him and him live through me. Like that is the real life-changing transformation. Not out of just fear of the end. Uh, now, in the mix of this, you get to go to heaven and live forever because you believe in Jesus. But there's more to it. Because when there's more to it, you realize when I give my life to Christ, I got work to do. He's got purpose for me on this planet. And I want to be a part of it. And you know how you do it? One, you surrender, you repent. He says repent. That means change your mind. That means realize you are not the king of your life. But he is and wants to be. And you give it to him. You give your whole life to him. You ask for his grace and favor and you say, I don't care what it brings. The ride on the donkey. The persecute, like, I don't care. I know where I'm going. I'm going with you, and I want to be with you right now in this place. And then as believers, we say, you know what? I am the Lord's servant. I'm not the king. Because <laughs> we're still in the flesh. And you're going to want to be king of your own life. You're going to want to be king of your own life. You want to plan it out, plan your family out, sort it out, be the king. And he's just looking for servants, surrendered hearts that say, everything you want to do with me, God, I give it to you. I'm yours. As the worship team comes up, I want you to remind you of these words from Jesus. His disciples talking to him in John 16. It says, now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. Jesus asked, do you finally believe? And he said, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here and now when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. And he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace. Nobody in here said they had peace when I said Christmas shopping earlier. Maybe somebody that's crazy that just loves it. But he says, there's no reason for you not to have peace right now in this day. The kingdom of heaven is here. The king of all, the creator of all the earth came and walked on this earth and is here in this, our presence right now. Like you've got a loving father you've submitted to that's wrapped his arms around you. He's with you. You are favored. You are blessed. You've got purpose. Ephesians 2 10, Paul said, We are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. I mean, God is not looking for qualifications. He's not reviewing resumes and saying, Who's the right fit for this or that? He creates you to be what he wants you to be. He's invited you to join him, and he does the work. He just wants to say, I'm just a servant. I'm not the king. I'm just the servant. 
I'm not the king. And he says this, that you may have peace in me here on earth. You're going to have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. I have overcome the world. When we feel overwhelmed, let's remember he is overcome. All right? He is overcome. He came. He walked it. He broke the curse. Death was the curse. He broke it so that in him we break it with him. God, we come to you in this moment. We thank you for this opportunity to join you in your work to bring hope back into a broken world. That through your grace and mercy and the transforming of lives in this place who have surrendered and submitted to you, God, you bring hope into broken things into communities. You see, we see addiction broken. We see marriages restored. We, we see broken families reunited. We see old torn down buildings come back to life. We see the tangible evidence. You don't just proclaim it. You demonstrate it. Jesus did that everywhere he went. He said, here's the truth. I'm the king. The kingdom of God is here. Here's the proof. You're healed. You're fed. I am the king. And everybody just wandered around. Who is Jesus? What is this man? Building curiosity, the reality of who he is and what his kingdom looks like. But he didn't come to be a political ruler, a spiritual ruler, of which we all have the opportunity to be adopted into his family and to be a child of God, a child of the king. God, we thank you for that. Remind us today that we need you. We need you every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Faith Life. Faith Life is a ministry of New Beginnings Fellowship Church located in Pineville, Kentucky. You can find us on the web at www.nbfc.church or look for us on Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to Faith Life Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms and download each weekly episode. And join us next week as Pastor Gerald Arnett delivers his fourth message in a series titled Being Friends. Again, thank you for joining us and we will see you next week as we walk the faith life.